Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the text before us today fits into the larger context of life in the kingdom that cannot be shaken, like Hebrews 12 verse 28 says. A life that is ordered by God's law, which is etched into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The verses around our text, so Hebrews 12, verse 18 to 13, verse 6, they reveal how God's law that is etched in our hearts can be seen in action in our relationship to him and to our brothers and sisters. And as we saw last week, then subjects of this kingdom will be content with the Lord their God Worship him only with reverence and awe and show love to all the members of the family of God. The verses of our text today, they belong in the same context. It's all the commandments are are intertwined, kind of like a rope together in this section of Scripture. And they're found then in, in the discussion of brotherly love. But we saved this discussion of leadership in the New Covenant Church for today, a day we reserved as the day for the ordination of new elders and deacons. Darren DeVries, Rob Duker, Anthony Huxema, and Peter Wieses as elders, and then Rich DeYoung and Jerry Dykstra as deacons. And as the Holy Spirit teaches the church about our relationship to, to the leaders in our midst and also these newly ordained leaders, and how we are to relate to them in obedience to the fifth commandment, he also makes some clear statements about what a leader looks like. And looking at the desires that are in the hearts of both leaders and non-leaders, I preach to you the gospel that the Holy Spirit equips the congregation with spiritual leaders. Leaders, these leaders, they speak the word of God. They bear reproach with you. They keep watch over your souls, and they need your support and prayers. So in Hebrews 13, verse 7, you read the word leaders. Remember your leaders. And that would probably make the first hearers think of the apostles, the evangelists, the missionaries, that first brought the word of God to the churches that received this letter. However, since we read in verse 8 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and, and that is stated, mentioned here, so we remember that Jesus Christ is unchanging, and those who teach him also are teaching the same thing. We can know then that the Lord's exhortations in our text apply to any leader who speaks the word of God in the church, whether as a first missionary in a new area, a second or third or fourth generation preacher, or as a parent or guardian in the home. The Holy Spirit further highlights that they speak the word of God to us more than with just their words. Their faith in God and the truth of his word influences their life in such a way that it is possible to see the outcome of their way of life because it is different than those who do not have faith. 
As the letter to the Hebrews says in Hebrews 4, verse 12, the word of God is living and active. And we believe, and when we believe this word is true, there will be several visible results that come out. It's an outcome. They come out of this faith. Like faithful, loving parents, husbands, and teachers in our midst. Also, the men being ordained before us today have shown that they will help us to follow God because they have spoken the word of God to their families, to their friends, to their Bible study partners, and they have adorned this word with a Christian way of life that has visible outcomes. As a result, we know as God's people that we can trust them to continue to study God's word, to continue to meditate on his commandments and to wisely apply both the comfort of the gospel and its exhortations to our lives. We also trust that they will not mislead us with diverse and strange teachings as is mentioned in verse 9. When Hebrews was written, the apostles, the evangelists, they stood out in their preaching from the rest of the world because they were preaching and teaching the true message of God's grace that was revealed in the Old Testament that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The Jewish groups who rejected Jesus Christ as Lord, they had twisted the Old Testament to mean that a person could be strengthened by eating certain foods. And that is what Hebrews uh, 13 is, is referring to. And although there is some debate whether this text is referring to the Old Testament food laws that continued to be kept by the Jews as a means of strengthening uh, uh, their own righteousness, that's, for example, in Colossians 2, or if it's a reference to some later Jewish statements concerning the need to show obedience by regularly eating prescribed Jewish foods. The point is, the strange teachings did not preach grace, but the church, the apostles, did. Diverse and strange teachings are teachings that do not refer to grace. Although we also are often tempted to listen to, to new preachers and, and authors who, who pop up all over and who seem to give a fresh and a different message about the newest thing that you can do to, to strengthen your heart and, and your position before God. Our text reminds us we will only be benefited by the leaders who rely on the scriptures alone to repeat the same message of grace to us in Christ through faith and to the glory of God alone. We actually don't want new and strange and diverse teachings. As God's people, we want grace. And when God grants us leaders who speak this word of grace, who live their lives strengthened by grace. That's in a dependence and, and a weakness, uh, a weakness and a dependence on God. 
and then who fight against these strange and diverse teachings, well, when we have that, we will be very blessed if you pay attention to them. That's what Hebrews 13, verse 7 tells us. And there are several commands uh, in this verse. Remember your leaders, it says. Consider the outcome of their life. Imitate their faith. The image formed by these commands pictures the relationship between a, a group of hikers and a well-trained and experienced guide who knows the safest way through a mountain pass to escape tragedy. You are the hiker. And after you've watched your guide cross the, the tricky part in the path, cross the, the path, the pass, it's now your turn. So what do you do? You're standing there. It's your turn to go across. What do you do? Well, you remember your leader. You keep what he has explained to you in your mind. You consider the outcome of the path he has chosen, which brought him safely to the other side. Perhaps you even compare it with the outcome of the guides who were leaning on things that did not benefit them and now are crushed at the bottom of, of, of the pass. And then you will imitate the steps that he or she took as a guide. You will trust the same rocks for support. And you will do your utmost to share in the success of the journey. And when we think of this comparison, we can see how important it is for us if we want to remember and consider and imitate uh, our guides, our leaders, how important it is for us to have open relationships and conversations with our parents and with our teachers and to have regular contact with our elders and our deacons and, and discussions about who we are, where we are at in this life. We remember our leaders. We consider the outcome of their lives. We imitate their faith, not because they are, they are perfect, that they do no wrong, but because we can benefit from seeing real people like us who are struggling with similar things that we are, but are doing so with God's word as a guide, speaking to them, to us, and showing us where we find God's grace. We trust them because of the word they bring to us. Even when it looks like the path that our Lord Jesus will have us walk down is very difficult. We see that in the second point, Hebrews 13, verses 10 to 14. That, those verses explain that anyone who wants to follow Jesus Christ in this life will bear the reproach that he endured. It's not easy to be a Christian. It's stated right there, right for us, very clearly in Hebrews. And as your leaders guide you to follow Jesus Christ, they may take you on difficult paths that can be compared to a very narrow mountain trail with little small footholds and, and scratchy branches that cut your arm. Spiritual leaders who want, you to, who want to lead you to follow Jesus Christ, they show their sincerity by their willingness to go first down that path, to, to bear 
the disgrace of being a Christian together with you. When they urge you to do hard things for your faith, you need to remember all that our Lord Jesus Christ endured. And the writer to the Hebrews then, he goes on a tangent to explain the consequences of Christ's humiliation for the church. And since these verses are just packed with, with beautiful gospel that we don't have time to look at today, we'll investigate these verses separately uh, next week. The instruction concerning leadership then continues in verse 17, where the Holy Spirit tells the church that the leaders are keeping watch over your souls. We'll see that in the third place. Leaders want to see you uh, do what you want to do, to, to carry out the desires that the Holy Spirit has put into your heart. You're all Christians, part of the body of Christ. And leaders may help you to navigate through your struggles with your health, your finances, your relationships, or even the decisions you have to make in your life. They are primarily called to watch over your souls. It's like the watchman described in Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 16 to 21. They're a watchman. They are not able to change you or even to make decisions for you. But like watchmen, they are able to warn you about anything that may hinder the Spirit's work to bring growth in your hearts. And that's what we want, isn't it? They want to help you get what you want. And as they observe your words, your priorities, your worship habits, your relationship to your brothers and, uh, and sisters around you, that could include your husband or your wife or your children or, or your parents, the leaders will help you to see how to live in a way that is consistent with the work, the revelation of the Holy Spirit. They bring the Word of God to your life. For example, a faithful parent or elder will repeat the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 uh, to show you the danger to your soul of dating an unbeliever. A watchman, they'll tell you that's, that's not good. Paul warns against that. Or if you are unkind to your wife, or you do not support your husband, or you neglect your children, leaders who are led by the Spirit will show you as watchmen how this is inconsistent with the law of love that the Holy Spirit writes on the hearts of believers. Because they care about your souls, they will call you to worship God at every opportunity you have rather than do your own things on, on Sundays and have your love grow cold, as our Lord Jesus warns in Revelation. At the same time, like good watchmen, they will seek to protect you by courageously standing up to the dangerous bullies and by calling mockers to repentance. In Matthew 18, we read that Jesus Christ has even given the keys of the kingdom of heaven to the elders in the church in order that they might use them to restore 
the repentant sinner to fellowship with God through discipline, or by the same means to identify and expose and expel any wolves from among the sheep. And you can read about that imagery in Acts chapter 20. The weight of this responsibility is highlighted when we read that the spiritual leaders will have to give account for their work. They're not accountable, spiritual leaders in the church are not accountable or answerable to the court of public opinion or even to their own families or to their congregation or to any leaders here on earth, but ultimately they must give account to God himself who gave them their position of authority. And think about it. If you look at John 17, you see the Lord Jesus at the end of his ministry praying the high priestly prayer. He's, he's giving an account of the work that he did on earth. And if it's so necessary for him, how much more for the under-shepherds. And so leaders in the church will work in such a way that at the end of every day of serving God's church, they can say to their heavenly Father something similar to what our Lord Jesus said in John 17, verse 12, While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded those you have given to me, and not one of them has been lost except those who never knew you. The crown of achievement that is awarded to a faithful shepherd is that all the sheep have made it to the destination. You read Paul say that many times. He says, uh, who is my crown? Is it not you, you who believe? That's the mark, the sign of success that everyone is there. And to understand this more clearly, we can go back to our analogy of the guide in the mountains who was assigned the responsibility to take care of the life of every person who left the, the parking lot with him. That guide has not succeeded if he returns without one of the hikers. No matter how small or stubborn or scared that hiker might be. Like a shepherd who counts every single sheep that passes under his rod. That's the picture of Ezekiel 20. The Lord knows those who are his. He knows those whom he has entrusted into the care of leaders in the congregation. In Ezekiel 34, the Lord makes it clear that Leaders who have the Holy Spirit will know where every member of the church is. They will, they will look for the lost sheep. That comes to you, parents. Parents, you know that very well. We do that. If I'm missing a child, I'm going to look for that child. Well, the same to the spiritual leaders of the church, the elders and the deacons. And so in the church, we keep up-to-date records thanks to a great statistician in our Congregation here, Brother Newt, who, who, who always knows where people are, who's a member, who's not a member. There's, there's membership lists, there's up-to-date records. But also in visiting the members in their homes to know where people are at in their own journeys. Also in maintaining regular contact with the congregation in order that we do not lose the, the weak sheep. 
Also, elders will want to know the different needs of the members as they're deciding to, to where to go, how to pick the route, what route this congregation can go forward in. We need to know how many members there are, how many of these members need special care, how many members are, are surviving but are unable to help others uh, so much, how many men can serve as office bearers, how many people are earning a wage, how many people are able to, to help out. And as we look at that, as we, we see the real needs as leaders, it also helps us to know what we can be involved with. And maybe, perhaps, it would happen that we cannot be involved with some projects because we insist that our first priority is ensure, to ensure that all the sheep that God has entrusted to us will arrive. You see, it's very common today in, in, the, in the Christian world and some of these, these big mega churches as well to see huge projects being done. And it's true. If the leaders only work with a small portion of the more able members on ambitious projects that leave others behind and unattended and uncared for, you can get lots done. Maybe but you have to give account for every sheep before God. It'd be like a teacher coming back from Jarvis, coming back from Jarvis, explaining to the parents, well, sorry, your, uh, your son or daughter didn't make it. He, he's, not, he's not here. Uh, because as leaders, we thought we wanted to do some, some bigger trips. And so we, we left them behind. They were too slow. Also in the church, then, successful leadership is marked by bringing everyone whom God has entrusted into your care to the destination so that they may enjoy the crown of success. And since we all want that success, since we all want to be there, that means that, that we're all desiring the same thing, leaders and members of the church. And so that we may have what we want, the Holy Spirit tells us very clearly, obey your leaders and submit to them. If we want to be kept in the word of God and Jesus Christ through the journey of this life, we will want to trust the leaders that he has given to us and then humbly follow them. They need your support and prayers to do their task. This allows them to do their task with joy and not with groaning, we read. The Holy Spirit, let's be very clear, the Holy Spirit is not asking us to submit to ungodly leaders who are harming your spiritual life. Submission is conditional on faithfulness to God's word. The Holy Spirit also is not urging us to to hide our sins from them and not share our sins and weaknesses because we think that that might make them happy. Everything's fine, no work, seems like a good thing. It's not our sins and weaknesses that cause them to groan. But he shows us rather that it is an advantage to everyone if we are honest about our sins. We humbly confess to the Lord and to our leaders who we are and what we are fighting against 
as we then submit to them as guides as they show us the best way for us in our lives. Leaders love to celebrate the powerful work of the Holy Spirit as he urges us to, to, to as he leads us by his word through our struggle with sins and weaknesses. It brings joy to the instruments that God has, has given us, is using in our midst to encourage others to walk, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. The cooperation between those who are being led to grace in Jesus Christ and those who lead them is an advantage to the whole church, that cooperation. It is no advantage to anyone if we make their task a burden that causes them to groan. Well, how can we do that? If we look at the Gospels, if we look at our Lord Jesus Christ and we see when he groaned and when he wept, it was when he preached the gospel, but the very people of God who had the scriptures in their hand and who knew better, they refused to follow him. The apostle Paul had great sorrow and unceasing anguish in his heart because the Jewish people who knew better refused to embrace Jesus Christ as God over all forever be praised. Romans 9 verses 1 to 6. And spiritual leaders today continue to groan in anguish when the word of God that they speak to covenant children is rejected by people who are trying to, to hide their sins as hypocrites or who are vindictive in their laziness, attacking God, who even become violent in their treatment of Christ's ambassadors, maybe just in words, maybe just behind their backs, maybe outrightly uh, in the way they speak to them to their face. Causes anguish, not personally, but because the gospel is there to be held and to be received. Like Jeremiah, the suffering prophet, experienced when the children of God determinedly set themselves against the leaders who speak the truth, who undermine their authority, who mock the task that Jesus has given them to carry out, it makes it very tough to be a leader. That's why it says, pray, pray for us. Verse 18, parents and teachers, they request this of their children all the time, don't we? Pray for us. How much more should we pray for the minister, the elders, the deacons, who did not choose this task for themselves, but were appointed to their position by God through his congregation. Though it is very clear by the election that you as a congregation are confident in the ability of these men to speak the word of God to you in word and in deed, to protect your souls from danger, they will be the first to tell you that they cannot do anything with the help of the good shepherd that they are serving. But thankfully we know that the Lord will give his grace and spirit to anyone who asks. Let us ask him regularly. And praying for our leaders also helps us to understand their responsibility better, to seek the same things that they are seeking, as also mentioned in Hebrews 13, verse 18. 
Although our leaders may not be able to take away our pains or discomforts or, or to decide things for us, although they may even call us to more suffering because of our faith, we will always pray that they may do their work with a clear conscience and that their desire to act honorably in all things might be fulfilled. Praying also binds all our hearts together so that we may share that ex desire expressed in Hebrews 13, verse 19, spending time together, growing together as a body, as a family of God, and spending this time as Paul, or the writer to Hebrews, was longing for and asking that that prayer be heard. Brothers and sisters, let us pray regularly for our husbands and for our wives, for our teachers and for our parents, and for all those whom God has given as leaders in our midst. And let us pray regularly for the elders and the deacons and the minister. They speak the word of God to us. They bear reproach with us. They keep watch over our souls. They need our prayers and support. Amen.